great people of tonight's audience. Welcome to the 2019 Buy It, Try It, or Deny It award show. Everyone give a round of applause. Thank you. Uh, I am your host, Haley, uh, social media manager here at Game Luster, and I also have my other great hosts. We have my... Hello. And Brennan. Yo. Fantastic. Their enthusiasm is through the roof. Well, let's get right in it. But tonight, I'm going to start off with a collective disclaimer. Um, the games that we're talking about are games that we've previously spoken about on uh, our previous Buy, Try, Tonight podcast. So um, uh, these are just the games that we spoke about. They're not any other games. So, I mean, if you're disappointed that we don't mention a game here, I'm sorry. These are just solely the games that we've previously spoken about in previous Buy, Try, or Deny It um, podcasts. So, we're going based off of those games. Figured we'd keep it interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, um, let's introduce the first award. The first one that is winning tonight is Best Family Friendly or Best Family Game, and that is Luigi's Mansion. Three, yay! Woo. Uh, Mike, you, you, you bought this game. It's it says it here on on my notes that I'm looking at that you that you actually bought this game. So yeah, I, I did buy this game, and um, I said best family friendly. Um, it has a lot of multiplayer modes that are great multiplayer modes. They're kind of you know uh, Mario Party ish. So you know if you got the younger ones if you got your family over you know they, they're really good games to you know sit down together and play right on yeah i uh i just i, I feel like like the staff was talking about it a lot too like and like i didn't play it myself personally but i was watching clips of it like as it came out and the gooey thing man i still think that that's hilarious and that's like <laughs> Uh, I, I don't I don't know man and I'm really glad that they actually turned that into some kind of gameplay element that wasn't just like tacked on you know because like yeah I think you were talking with, with like last last episode episode four I can't I don't remember we were talking about like we were talking about that exact thing so like damn knock off Mario it's not knock off Mario <laughs> Uh, Mike, would you say that it after you've played it, would you say that it lives up to the scores that it's received? Oh, definitely. Um, I think it was one of the better Nintendo Switch games of the year, personally. It was especially, um, I had a lot of fun playing the single player. Like I said, the mini games that you know that you could play with your family are pretty cool. It was just a good experience all around. Nice, that's good to hear. I don't, not really interested in Luigi's Mansion, but um, as we previously talked about in um, By Try It Tonight, it, the game has a cult following, so it doesn't surprise me that the game is actually really good and a lot of people enjoy it because um, they previously, you know, enjoyed the other ones. So, just a but quick... I like. Oh no! Uh, sorry. Quick note. Uh, the. It was, it's the highest 
Metacritic Switch game that we that we have on our list. It's the highest yeah. average Metacritic. It's the highest average user score. It has the highest Nintendo Switch user score as well. Like this is Luigi's Mansion Three would statistically speaking on our little spreadsheet of notes that we made like that would be one of the top received games of the year and I think that that shows both and obviously it's score but like just I don't know even again with the staff everyone was talking about that up for like weeks it was kind of great just like seeing it do really well and I feel like not to like jump ahead but I feel like that's really surprising because it was going up against Pokemon Sword and Shield um, which, I mean, everyone fucking loves Pokemon, so I feel like that's definitely definitely an award in Luigi's book. Okay, moving on. So, the next award that we're giving away tonight, uh, How to Train Your Rat 101, that winner is A Plague Tale. Because rats, why not? I also just kind of realized, would this probably be our best independent developer game, too? I can't, like... Oh, shit, I, I would... forgot this was an indie. Right, like, is, would this be considered, like, indie, right? Like, so, I'm thinking maybe, like... Great, it takes home two awards. Cool. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know. I played... Or, I didn't play this game, but I watched... Um, some playthrough on it and I thought it was interesting I thought the story was really unique um the rat mechanic was I mean I haven't seen anybody do something like that before so I thought it was really interesting I remember it it kind of sort of being a little like looking a little wonky but I mean when you're you have to generate a bajillion rats on the screen you're gonna have some issues but i mean other than that it it's a pretty solid game it has pretty decent scores across the board so i feel like if you were looking for something to just spend some money on why not pick it up it scored very well which is i was kind of i don't want to say shocked by that but like and especially ranked up against some of the other games uh, that we have on this list um it like it did very well and i remember it very distinctly like i remember watching the trailer i remember you know how the how the rats reacted to the fire like and how the game was centered around like the girl and her her brother and like that one definitely just stuck out to me for the longest and it was mostly because of the rats dude the rats are terrifying there's yeah. so many of them on the screen at once. Like, Jesus. When uh, we were getting all these games together for, you know, this episode, I was when I saw Plague Tale, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the one with the rats. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, definitely. It, you, like, that, if that's how you remember it, at least you fucking remember it. There are some games on this list that I'm just like, what the fuck? what was that about again but i mean it's it's rememberable and that's one of the big parts in it it's called a plague tale there's rats oh my oh is that a oh wait a minute it just dawned on me that you know tail is like t-a-l-e and then 
T A I L, you know. They, and the plague was carried by rats. By rats, yes. It's, it's, but it's a. It, it's uh, punny. I'll leave. I'll leave now. We we love puns here. We <laughs> love really bad puns here at Game Luster. So, if you got any uh. They might have made Funny it, titles, let us know. They might have made that on purpose. We'll never know. Dun, dun, dun. But, uh, it ruins three awards. Best punny uh, title. Anyway. <laughs> 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 That's our big winner for tonight. Um, so, the next award on our list is, we'll say Best Nostalgia Remake. Um, that goes to Medieval. It didn't necessarily score the greatest, but it was okay. I think that was that was the one where, like, the critics were talking about how archaic the game design was, and it's like, yeah, no shit, it was a remake of a game that came out in like the late nineties. Um, but then at the same time, all of the user scores were like super high, and people were like. That's ex this is exactly what I wanted. Like I, I love this game as a kid. I love it now. So, I think that was one of our first titles where like, um, no, maybe not. No, I think because because there's another game that we talk about later that the critics don't exactly line up with the user score. That actually happens multiple times here, but we'll talk about those as they come. Um, but it it just seemed like a, an odd place. You know, it's like. Are the people are the are the people wrong or are the or are the critics just dumb? And I go with the latter sometimes. Yeah, I, I I truly don't know. I truly don't know. But regardless, if people were looking for a good nostalgia remake, then I feel like that's what they got according to these and, scores. And I almost bought it because it looked like the game I played back in the nineties. What stopped you from buying it? Other stuff. Other games. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like if you were looking for something to play right about now, since we're getting into that holiday season, and I, I think I might have said this during our podcast, I don't actually remember or not, but pick it up. I think it's pretty cheap. I think it's around like $20 or something like that. You need to ignore your in-laws or whoever's coming to your house. Why not visit the old Nostalgia Road and play medieval yeah it's not a bad idea especially people my age who played it you know 20 years ago you know yeah i mean it'll help you remember your childhood a little bit and maybe sit down with your parents maybe your parents remembered or something god only knows if your parents are that old they might <laughs> yeah my, my dad remembers it because he was like oh yeah it's that one game you played when you were little that one game you really obsessed over yeah yeah Damn, I never train effect. Sorry, there's a train going by. It's actually still going by, but that's fine. It's no worries. Okay. Um so the Outer Worlds um is our best weekend spender slash blower puns. Yeah, right. Like so as as Mike was kinda saying before. And even in my own personal experience, it was one of those things where, like, you got your hands on it, you heard that it was like, oh, from the makers of Fallout, and you kind of poop yourself a little and you play the game and you just kind of zoom right through it, because especially towards, like, the middle half of the game, it just gets ridiculously easy, 
unless you know you start messing with difficulty settings but like even uh, but anyway you kind of just blow through the whole game you kind of just spend your whole weekend on it and then you don't you don't really play it ever again you don't really talk about it and if you do it's because you're like oh wait this one thing is kind of dumb like I'm not even gonna get into specifics, but like the whole disguise thing, man. I I wasn't really a fan of that whole thing, and and I bought it, but I technically didn't buy it because it was part of the PC Game Pass. So like, I did the whole you know join for a dollar for a month thing. So then I I I, I technically just paid one dollar to play this game and then uninstalled it as soon as I was finished. Uh, well, not it's okay. I, I take that back. It wasn't as soon as I was finished. It was a couple hours after you know messing around and stuff, but regardless, it blew my weekend, and maybe that was all I needed it for, really, you know, maybe that's really all The Outer Worlds is, it's like, if you've got a, a nice solid weekend to just kind of play a Fallout-like game, that's your best bet, but that's really all it is. Yeah, I didn't play it myself, but most of the people I knew just binged it all in, like, a weekend, and you know, a few days in the week, and they were just completely done with it afterwards. I, I think that's reflected, at least in our stat sheet, I feel like that's reflected in the PC user score with that, uh, with the 7.6, you know, it's just like, it's not, it's not, like, it's not marginally lower than the other ones, but there is some kind of, you know, people are like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great, it's, it's pretty good. And that's, you know, that's all I'm saying. Like, it's it's a pretty good game. But I don't think it's as good as Fallout New Vegas. And I stand by that. I said that before, and I stand by that. And I feel like it, it, people just blowing through it in a weekend, I, I feel like that's really telling of what this game is. Especially when, and we talked, again, a lot about this in our podcast, um, they marketed it as you know the makers of fallout and for it to just be so forgettable is extremely surprising since they made themselves like oh you guys love that so much and you still talk about it years after we made it well here's our new game and it's you play it for a weekend and then you don't hear a single thing about it ever again yeah most most of the and i don't know if it's because i'm like hanging around in super biased subreddits or whatever but there were some posts that i would read and people had very common complaints as as myself you know it being too easy or just kind of the lack of any choice and then i was watching videos that even were dissecting the narrative and i was like am i am i actively trying to hate this because it's not fallout or is it like just is it just actually okay you know i, I don't know that's where i'm like yeah because it scored pretty well and i don't want to make it sound like it was anything less than a good game but i just yeah, think they hyped themselves up and they made it seem like uh, something bigger than what it actually was um let's talk about days gone we are giving that uh, the best zombie survival simulator game of the year. Uh, the game of the year. Game. Game, not game of the year. Uh, the scores are pretty mediocre. Um, I feel like there was a lot of hype leading up to this game. No one really knew what it was. 
Exactly. They were just like, cool, lots of zombies on the screen. I I feel like I feel like the scores are uh, a pretty pretty good representation of how I feel about this game. It was I didn't I played through maybe oh, I want to say maybe half of it. Um and I just kind of stopped. Uh, for no particular reason other than I guess I just got bored. Um, and I think I ended up just, like, watching the ending on YouTube randomly a couple of weeks ago, and now I just absolutely have no reason to go back to it. It was fun and simple at points, but it also felt, like, unnecessarily padded out in certain points, and, um... Uh, just not really, um, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's been so long that, again, like, I don't know, I, I just got bored. <laughs> I just got bored, that's really all I can say about it. I was kind of done just doing the same loop over and over. Uh, though the horde sections where you do fight, like, massive groups of zombies at once, I would say that that was probably the best part of the game, and something new that it brought to the table, and I hope maybe if they make another one, then they would make that a bigger part of the game, then I think people would enjoy that a lot more. Mike, you have anything to say? Yeah, I remember seeing this one early in the year and just thinking, oh, that's a Last of Us clone. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It would be like open world Last of Us mix, something like that. Um, yeah. But I, I would buy that. I mean, I would not, I mean, I don't, I don't buy, I, don't, I wouldn't purchase that. I, I buy, I, I'm put. I'm, I am picking up what you are putting down. <laughs> You're doing something, <laughs> alright. I'm having trouble with words. I mean, I did watch a lot of gameplay, and there was some cool zombie stuff going on, but it just felt like another, you know, survived the zombie apocalypse game to me. I feel like I agree with Brennan on this. Like, the whole horde aspect definitely adds a new uh, flavor to the zombie survival scene, but I don't really feel like it did anything else. Uh, that's necessarily noteworthy. I thought the story was okay. I mean, the voice acting was pretty decent, but everything else was just kind of lackluster. So I feel like if they make another one, um, I would hope that the story would be a little bit more interesting this time and maybe a little bit more engaging and maybe the main character not so like emotionless it didn't really seem like he cared all that much he was just going through the motions yeah he was just he he really did just kind of paint that um gruff apathetic middle-aged white guy hates the world zombie apocalypse look you know and that's been done so many times it's unreal the most difficult game of the year, or the yeah, the most difficult game of the year is to code vein, which either people just didn't fucking like this game or they thought it was just too goddamn hard, 
because well, the scores are okay. They're not the greatest, but like, damn. I mean, Mike, what do you, yeah, Mike, go, go for it. Yeah, I got it. Um, it's a pretty good game. Of course, it's always compared to Dark Souls. It does have a little bit of its own personality. Um, but it was the most, out of all the games I played this year, it was probably the most difficult one. There were a lot of bosses where I'm just playing and I die and I'm just like, fuck, man. Because I have to do it over and over again. <laughs> was the story, like, really anime? Yeah. Nice. A lot of waifus. It- yeah, this is like as anime as it gets. Like. Nice. Honestly, I was very intrigued, but I just, I, I didn't... I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, like, wanted to play Code Vein because I was like, damn, that shit looks real cool. And then I heard it's really fucking hard, and I'm not trying to say I'm a wimp or anything, but I'm not going to sit there and play a game that I'm literally just going to get frustrated at within the first five fucking seconds. Because I can tell you right now, it's a waste of my money and I'm never going to fucking play it again. I died a lot in this game. I don't know if that is a reflection of me as a gamer or if this was just a fucking difficult game. Well, and like, that's that's why I've never played Dark Souls just because everyone's like, it's mad hard. But it looks really cool. All the lore looks really cool. The color scheme looks really cool. So I looked at this and I was like, yes! Like, I can play that. And then, like, I heard it's super fucking hard. Like, looking at the scores, uh, the Metacritic score for PlayStation 4 is a 71. The average Metacritic score is a 71. And then the average user score and PlayStation user score are 8s. So, clearly it's decent. People liked it. But I feel like those 71s are a reflection of probably how hard it actually is. And, I mean, in all honesty, who wants to play a game that they're going to fucking die 500 times and never advance anywhere? Me. Okay, besides you, you <laughs> goddamn weirdo. <laughs> um, I'm a fucking masochist, what can I say? But... The thing about it is, is I feel like there is a a, a corner being carved for video game world games that are just has I mean, have have Dark Souls, you have Code Vein, people like very challenging games, and. I think that's because I feel like some games nowadays are a little bit too... I feel like you need to have a really good balance. And it also kind of sucks because it's like, for me, I'm never going to play this game. I'm going to watch somebody else play it and somebody else get frustrated at it to save me my money. But it sucks because it's a game I want to play. I just don't have time to sit there and die 500 fucking times. And maybe that means I'm a fucking terrible person at video games. I don't fucking know. I mean, I like a challenge once in a while, but I literally don't want to just sit there at the first fucking boss and die 500 times over. Do you have anything else you want to add, Brennan? No. It was anime Dark Souls. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, our next award is called The Most Indifferent Game. 
And let me just take a minute to say that this wasn't the hardest title to give a game. Uh, because we all agreed on it unanimously within like three seconds. And I feel like that's pretty telling. But that is Gears 5. And like, I feel like that award is like just very kind of personal to us. Because like, it scored well. Like it, it's it you know it did what it except the PC port the PC port didn't really score well so they kind of screwed up somewhere some people are unhappy but generally speaking most people thought Gears Five was decent but the three of us just kind of unanimously agreed that we didn't really know how to feel about it because uh, yeah I don't think any of us are gearheads so is that what they call themselves gearheads I don't know. Yeah, well, we're not, we're not really fans of the series, so I guess we wouldn't know. I mean, I um, played the first two, but that's about it. So, like, what made you drop the series, like over time? Uh, it's just like this word says. I just became indifferent to the series. Like, I remember when Gears Four came out, I was like, "Wait, they they're doing a fourth one." <laughs> See, that's kind of how I felt about Halo. And, like, when Halo had Halo 4, I was like, wait, what? Like, I, I, mean, I mean, I guess they kind of left it on a cliffhanger, but I was cool with the ending there. And then they made Halo 5, and I was like, oh, my God, they're just going to keep making these. It's going to be Halo, like, well, never mind. The next one's called Halo Infinite. They already kind of messed up their own number cycle. So, how do you go from 5 to Infinite, dude? How do you, whatever. So is Gears 5 going to go to Gears Infinite next? Like, ah, Yeah, I feel Gears is that same kind of thing where um, it should have ended at 3 and it just, yeah, it's for some reason still. I, like, I watched um, the trailer, or, well, like, the, the cutscene movie to Gears 5 because I was like, oh, it seems like an interesting story. But it isn't. It really fucking isn't. It... I thought it dragged on. I mean, it might be interesting to people who are into Gears, but as somebody who hasn't paid attention to any of the previous Gears game, Ge- Gears games, I didn't really find it all that interesting. Um, it, it just, I don't know. It didn't really hold my attention at all. And if cutscenes can't hold my attention, then gameplay isn't going to hold my attention. That's just me. I would agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. So, uh, after that forgettable game, uh, let's go down to... Oh, oh, here's another one that's probably forgettable. Best worst sequel goes to Rage 2. Which, I mean, somebody's gonna have to really remind me what this game was about again. Uh, it was the one everybody compared to Borderlands. Right, right, yeah. If you're getting compared to Borderlands, um, I think you have some uh, work you need to do, especially with uh, those those scores. So, like, uh, this was the game that we were reading that article where it was like, somehow it's selling less than the first game. And I'm kind of surprised... A little by that, like, but at the same time, based off of these scores, and especially the user scores, it didn't really seem like 
people enjoyed this one, and I can kind of see it selling less than the first, um, especially when you compare the Metacritics of the two games, like, it's just, it's weird, man, like, how do you, especially because it was, I guess, pinned up and kind of not, like, dressed up as a Borderlands, but, like, that's what people were comparing it to, like, you guys were talking about, um, but it wasn't exactly, like, I don't know, I guess it wasn't really anything like Borderlands, I guess it wasn't really, like, anything that people actually, like, wanted, I don't know. I just remember seeing Rage 2, and they announced Borderlands 3, and I was just like, well, I guess I'm waiting for Borderlands. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, that about says it, right? Like, goddamn, Rage 2. I, that one had, like, DLC, too, I kind of remember, and I heard that was kind of forgettable, too. Yeah, you, you hate remember, to see it. Yeah, I just remember if you bought the Deluxe Edition, it came with that talking wall, wall mount or something like that. Oh my god, that sounds awful. It was. I, like, I don't know. I... I hate hype nowadays, especially for sequels, because it's like, oh, everybody loved the first one, and here comes the second one, and then the fucking second one fucking flops. Like, it has a 5.4, a 5.6, a 5.8. Like, it, it sucks. Especially when, like, I never played Rage 1, but just in general, it, you have to really try hard. I feel like, to make a really good first game and then have your second game flop super fucking hard. Like, did you not care about it? Are you just literally trying to make a reskin version of your first game? And, uh, like, pray to Jesus that, you know, a lot of people that like the first one like the second one. Like, if you're not gonna try, then there's no point in shelling out the money to make a second game. And... I don't know if that's exactly what happened here with Rage 2, but looking at these scores and just how nobody is talking about it now, that's what, to me, it seems like happened. It's the best worst sequel. Mm-hmm. Dun-dun-dun. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a pretty hype game on this list. Um... Which is fitting that it's next in line. The best loot and shoot, which Mike has bought and Brennan bought, it goes to Borderlands 3. Right, so wh why are these user scores so low compared to the critic scores? Did, did they like... Were they, like, messing with characters and, like, patches and stuff? Like, was I re was that actually a thing that happened? Like, were people just upset about recent patches and they were just like, Ah, screw it. This game sucks now. Is that what happened? I'm trying to remember what happened. I think it was, like, the PC version was, like, screwed up or something like that. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Like, so I'm going to be completely honest. I bought this when it came out and I didn't even finish it. I got maybe to, like, I want to say, like, the last couple areas. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't have been bothered. It was a great experience. Like, it was fun. And I kind of enjoyed most of the additions that they had made. Especially, like, the quality of life stuff. And I kind of liked how 
character builds seemed a little more diverse than other games because you were able to swap on the fly more often and it just used different action skills. It just seemed a lot more customizable. But yeah, man, I don't know why I didn't finish it. I couldn't really pinpoint that one either. I guess I got bored. Um, I did finish it. I just didn't do any of the uh, end game with the what was it, mayhem mode or whatever. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I was. I I remember reading some, like a couple of months ago, that they had made some changes to certain characters that people were kind of upset about. And, like, I wasn't sure if that was, like, a, a reoccurring thing or if that was just, like, a one-time thing or if that even really happened at all and I'm just hallucinating parts of my life. Um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, I was about to say you and me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, maybe all of this is just a, a, a fake reconstruction. Never mind. I'm not going into this. But on the... <laughs> but... Um, yeah, man, I, I I don't know if that kind of played into why these user scores are so low, because, like, that just seems kind of weird. It it scored really well when it came out. I mean, not super well, but wasn't a 10 out of 10, but, you know, it was pretty good. Got eights, like, across the board, so that's respectable, especially for Borderlands, you know. I guess the only problem is, uh, or the biggest problem is um, they didn't have the writers from Borderlands 2, Still the best shooting in the entire series, I would say. Mm-hmm. I feel like when... I feel like this kind of goes back to what I was saying in Rage 2. It's like, you have a lot of hype from the sequel. And, I mean, I can understand why the critics are probably gave it such high scores. Um, but I feel like the general audience probably had a lot more expectations and it just kind of fell flat and i feel like i did see a lot of comments on the writing of borderlands 3 so i feel like that's probably where it took one of the the bigger hits yeah that makes sense yeah man i i also i feel like there was like a lot of the game was kind of hit with like a lot of bad pr before it came out uh randy pitchford you know just his shenanigans um And I use the word shenanigans very lightly because some of the accusations are kind of bold. But um, regardless, yeah, I mean, it was fine. Definitely the best loot and shoot of the year, though, I would say. It was, uh, I feel like, one of... It was probably the only one that we talked about, but I feel like that just applies kind of in general. Yeah. I didn't really feel like there were a lot that came out this year, so... Anthem, but we don't talk about that one. Uh, we don't speak those words here. Yeah, we don't. Which, uh, side note, very disappointed because I actually wanted to play that, but whatever. Uh, Next (laughs) on our list is the best unheard of Bioshock finger quotes knockoff. We're giving this award to Close to the Sun. And it has very bad reviews. Yeah, this was by far the... As, as Luigi's Mansion was the highest scoring game across the board, pretty much. Uh, Close to the Sun is the complete opposite. It is just the worst game that we talked about this year. 
<laughs> according like, to these scores. Like, that disappoints me because, like, I thought it had an interesting story. And while we call it the, like, Bioshock knockoff because it has that same type of art style-esque era going on, um... I just, I don't want to play this game now, and I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should waste my money on it, because the review scores are just that bad. Yeah, man, I would definitely, I'm, I'm no doctor, but I would say you should probably stay away from that. Um, <laughs> you're probably in for a bad time. Just play Bioshock, man. Just play Bioshock instead. Yeah, just play Bioshock. <laughs> yeah, for real. If you haven't played Bioshock in this day and age, go do yourself a favor and play Bioshock. Like, shit. <laughs> That's uh, money well spent right there if you just go play Bioshock. Um, I think a testament to how bad this game was is I completely forgot about it until we were planning this podcast. Honestly, the only thing I remember, the only thing I remember about this game is when Haley said Art Deco. And after, immediately after the podcast, might have been during the podcast, uh, whoopsies, um, I googled Art Deco to like see if that was what I'd imagined in my head. And that moment kind of stuck out to me. Um, but other than that, no, I completely forgot about this game. Uh, dude, look, it's horrible. It's it literally on fire. It's like the only red boxes on my screen right now. I know no one's actually like viewer listeners can't look at the stat screen, but it's red. These are this is in the red people. What he's referencing is the PlayStation 4 user score is 4.1, the PS user score is 4.9, and the average user score is 4.5. Yeah. Some some consoles didn't even have user scores which meant to me either they were so bad metacritic was like we can't we we just can't fucking put these on or no one even was bothered to write about how bad it was or they forgot to turn them on or something I don't know. I could keep going with ores here, but <laughs> the point is, is that one's the only one that has the not applicable because that was the only one that popped up in any review. So I had to write that down and make a note of it that no one even cared to write about it, man. That's how bad it was. <sighs> Sorry, rant over. I'm saving that energy for later. Pause. This needs cut out. Mike, what was your game of the year again? Pokemon. Okay, it doesn't say that, so. Oh. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. My bad. I, I just wanted to make sure I skipped over that, so I didn't go. Okay. okay. Great. <sighs> you bastard. Oh, wait. Well, uh, yeah, I mean. Same thing. Whatever, oh, you have both of them. Box. You have both okay. of them. You have both of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got both of them. Okay. Uh, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> Last in our small category of game awards before we get to the big uh, game of the year awards, uh, 
the biggest surprise game, which surprisingly goes to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Like, holy shit, did somebody, like, kick EA's, excuse my language, ass and go, hey, get your shit together. Everyone seemed to have enjoyed this, and I'm very much a fan of that. But at the same time, I just don't think it was personally for me. Um, I still haven't tried it yet, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. I kind of... As, okay, I don't want to knock this. I don't want to knock this at all, but I do kind of want to raise a point and a question. Um, the game was probably good, but it's basically like a patchwork of other genres, right? Like, they were comparing it to Metroidvania and, like, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, Dark Souls because of the whole meditation mechanic um, and how the experience points work and all that. Why couldn't they just do a spiritual successor to Jedi Academy? Is that really so hard? Or, or you know what would print money for these people? If they just put, like, if they just made, like, a HD remake of, like, Republic Commando. Like, one of their old games. Like, they have so many good old Star Wars games that they could be ripping off within the same universe and that would kind of be okay. Rather than, like, taking miniature chunks out of other games to kind of patch it together. I'm in no way saying that this game is bad. I'm just saying that... It, it's it's good, it, but I wanted it to be something unique, and it it wasn't really unique. It was just a, a a good Star Wars game, I guess. But I don't really know how much of a good game it was. So I think that maybe that kind of plays some part in these in these scores, at least to some degree. You know, people were finally just like finally like a good Star Wars game. But at the same time, man, they could be literally printing money if they just knock off their own games, right? Give us some more Old Republic, man. Give Old Republic. Like, uh, there's probably some, there's probably some legal reason somewhere, somehow, with LucasArts and some licensee thing, bleh, some legal bullshit somewhere that says you can't do that. Um, but goddamn, man, goddamn, I'm just looking for a Jedi Academy level game, uh, and I don't really want to play the old ones because some parts of those are jank as hell. Like how in Jedi Academy 2, you don't get a lightsaber until like the first couple hours of the game. Like shit. I'm off track entirely. Shit. But I'm glad Star Wars has a good game, man. It's about goddamn time. I just wish it was a good game in its own right. And maybe not just like partially just because it's a Star Wars. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if you take the Star Wars out of it, it should still be a good game. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, this is just the biggest surprise for me, because before it came out, like a week before it came out, I was like, this game's going to flop. It's going to suck complete ass. This is just going to be another train wreck for EA. And then the scores come out, I'm like, holy shit, they actually did something right with Star Wars? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was very much in the same boat. Yeah, it's very. I was just like, wow, like, holy shit! Because I feel like EA has been getting just a whole bunch of shit this year, every left and right. So I feel like this is a good like year ender for them to come out on top a little bit, 
and actually have something to be proud of when the last couple of games they've released have just basically tanked and they've just been getting shit on. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good for them. Yeah, definitely. And I hope that, I hope that this also, again, like what we were talking about in the last episode, um, I hope that this put, kind of pushes EA into a more single-player-friendly fr- single territory, you know, where they start to take a little bit more risk in their um, IPs and whatnot. Um, that would ultimately make it not a better game, but I'd be a lot happier that it exists entirely. You know what I mean? Um, and for that in and of itself, I think that kind of deserves something, right? And now I'm just praying that they don't fuck up uh, Dragon Age, but that's still a couple years away, so... Sorry, man, they already fucked that up. That ship has already <laughs> sailed. Sorry. I, okay, see, my issues is I started in Inquisition, and I liked Inquisition. I loved it. Anyway, okay, here we go. Somebody give me a drum roll, please. I don't know what a drum roll sounds like. And you heard it here, guys. Game Luster cannot give you a drum roll. Uh, we're quitting the podcast business. Buy it, try it tonight. It's over. This is the end thing. I tried. I just don't think my mic picked it up. Ah, uh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> running. Insert. Insert a drum roll audio clip here. Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I, yeah. Great. Um. So here we go, guys, to the biggest award of our podcast game of the year. Now, we have two because everyone got to pick their own out of the list of games that we've talked about um, for By Try Tonight. And I want to start off with Pokemon Sword and Shield because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about with the other one. But... Let's go with Pokemon Sword and Shield first all. Um, not only does it win Mike's Game of the Year, but it also wins our most controversial slash comfiest game. Yeah, I know some people are going to disagree with me on this one, just uh, especially if you know all the con- the controversy that was behind this game. But out of everything I played this year... Pokemon was probably the most fun that I've had. It was the most fun I've had in a Pokemon game in the past, like, three generations. That's kind of, like, that's exactly why I kind of pinned it as the most comfy game. I obviously very much agree that it is the most controversial. Definitely. But at the same time, there was a part of me that while I was playing it, I just forgot about all of that i just didn't care i was just playing pokemon you know and maybe i'm part of the problem there but it just felt cozy and comfy like just the aesthetic and i don't know just kind of how the game felt and played it was simple and like a comfort food almost maybe like a bag of chips it's like not the healthiest for you and doesn't have the most substance but damn dude a bag of chips every now and then is pretty good but when they start getting rid of the chips and put more air in it you get kind of pissed off so i can totally understand the whole dexit thing if in this whole chip metaphor 
So, yeah, I it's controversial as shit. I mean, though at the same time, Mike, how did you tell me your thoughts on the whole Dexit thing? And please use the chip bag air metaphor. <laughs> that actually worked way too well. I don't know well. if I can use that metaphor and explain it. Mike. That metaphor yeah. wins an award for best metaphor of the BTD Game Awards. <laughs> How do you, Brendan? Guess what you get? A bag of chips. A bag of chips. <laughs> a bag of chips. Salt and vinegar, please. What do you want? Fritos, Doritos, Lay's? Ah, uh, Lay's. Salt and vinegar, Lay's. We only man. eat sun chips here. We have to be healthy. Alright, that's cool too. I'll take some chips. They're chips. It's not fucking healthy. Yeah, yes. We can yeah, lie yeah. to ourselves. Okay, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a little upset about the whole, you know, them cutting out half of the Pokemon that exist in the world. Um, but as I played it, I kind of almost kind of forgot about it, you know? Because yeah. Because what yeah. was in there was fun. Um, I thought, you know, the, po- the Pokemon they put in there was balanced enough for me to not care that fucking Dragonite wasn't in there. Mm. Uh, I am kind of pissed about that. Um, <laughs> but, like, once I was about five, six hours in, I started forgetting all the complaints people were making before the game came out, and I was just having fun with it, you know? Right, yeah. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. Like, it was just, like, it was just fun. It was simple fun. and Exactly. It could have been a lot better. It, I'm, there's, there's not saying that it was the best thing ever, and I certainly don't think it was, I can't say it was the best Pokemon, but I, I personally think that it was better than the last generation, the last couple of generations, um, by far really especially compared to sun and moon but yeah man i like the raids i think the raids are simple fun ways to play pokemon with your friends but not competitively um, yeah that was a smart move uh i kind of have problems with how the system itself works on the occasion but i don't know it's it's the idea and i hate to say like oh yeah the next one will be great but like I feel like the next one has to be great, right? Like, it's already... Once we've had a taste of the wild area, the next one better have wild area written all over that. You know what I'm saying? Like, people aren't going to be able to have a taste of what they got with this one and not have more of it. Unlike previous cut features. Yeah, wild area was just fucking awesome. Yeah, it really was. It definitely one of the best parts of the game. Like, the camping. They'll probably cut out the camping bit, right? Like, that was just kind of a, an easy way for you to just heal up your Pokemon, get some experience points, take some screenshots, whatever. They can come up with a new copy-paste way of doing that next time. But the Wild Area, man, that's something that they're going to have to do something with that. Otherwise, this next one just won't... I feel like people are going to start catching on, really, if they haven't already. That It's just kind of... A, it's the same shit new pokemon equals people mad i mean that really boils it down it's it simplifies it to to hell but it's true like but i feel like that maybe it will always happen dude maybe that's just a a curse pokemon has 
Or any long-running series. Who knows? I... Oh, sorry. I, uh, I never really played Pokemon. Never really paid attention to it. All I know is people were fucking angry. People are always angry, though. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. And yeah he's, my thing he's is, right. like, how, how many fucking Pokemon... Okay, how many Pokemon are out there right now? Over All right. I think. Yeah, you want me to do the math really quick? Here we go. I don't know quick if I did math, this before. Guys. Stop me if I've done this before. So, first off, right know. off the bat, uh, I think we're around at, like, maybe, like, 900. Let's just say 900, just for shits and giggles. Um, so, 900 in total, right? So, usually, before you beat any Pokemon game, usually there's what's called the regional decks, where they kind of cut most of them. It's most of the new ones, some returning ones, but it incentivizes you to play with the new ones because they just broke their asses in the past year to make all those they want you to see them so naturally you beat the game you do everything and at the end the professor's like here's a national dex with literally every pokemon that ever existed go catch them all and that was the end game for most people that was the end game you know it was trying to catch them all um so let's again go back to the 900 number uh in most games uh especially once you get towards the later gens um regional dexes would be capped at around 400 right and in your national dex you'd have 900 in this one there's 400 total there's just 400 total so they cut about 60 60 percent i can't math they cut a, a significant more than half percentage of the game uh it's also a switch game right not a 3DS game, so it's $60 as opposed to 40 so it's 50% more expensive for 60% less Pokemon. Add on top of the fact that you can't trade in stuff, you know, people have been playing with, you know, shiny, shiny hunting, you know, learning about how difficult and time-consuming that is, training your perfect Pokemon, training their IVs and their EVs. People spend hours on that shit, man, and then suddenly it's not in the new one. It's like, what happens to that guy? You know, moving forward with the series, what happens to the one Pokemon that you spend hours doing? Look, I, 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 I understand why people are mad, to a point. Um, but it's just kind of... it's just, And it's especially the rationale behind it. Like, that's why people were upset. Um, you know, they said that we don't have the time, resources. Uh, we... We want to include all new animations and textures, and then people found, people data mined and found that they basically just copy and pasted them from the other game. Like, the list goes on and on, man. Like, there was, people weren't just kind of upset for no reason, but I felt like it was a very loud minority that was kind of speaking, right? Because the game sold so ridiculously well. Like, it beat out Smash Bros. for being, like, the fastest-selling Switch game. Like, it's still going up in numbers. Um... <sighs> I feel like they just wanted to go a different route with this Pokemon game. And, I mean, of course, not everyone is going to agree to that change. But there's no harm in trying to do something different. I mean... It's time-consuming putting those 900 fucking Pokemon in there. And at one point, it's just like, when do you just stop? And that's... They, like, they kind of spoke about that, too. You know, they were kind of talking about 
how they understood that there would be a point in time in which they would not be able to include all of them. Like, and they're not wrong. There is a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you also, yeah, man, again, man, you look at the numbers and it's like Pokemon is the most, like, the highest grossing franchise, like, of all time. Like, it's Pokemon, dude. It's not Hello Kitty or, or Naruto. It's Pokemon. I don't know why I said Hello Kitty and Naruto. I don't know why those were the first things that came to mind, but... I mean, um, I feel like those are two pretty well-known franchises, while not necessarily video game franchises. Just well-known franchises in general. Pokemon trumps them, like, ridiculously. So, they they have the manpower. What I'm theorizing, something that I've been thinking about for a while, and especially watching some of these interviews with the head Game Freak guys like Masuda, um, I personally think that maybe this directed hate towards Game Freak is misplaced. I feel like maybe a lot of this hatred and maybe not hatred is not really the best word because it's a video game let's be real but these negative feelings are misplaced towards game freak and instead maybe you should be placed more towards the pokemon company where i feel like the pokemon company probably has a hold on these guys like none of us would imagine right and i was also thinking about this the other day like Every time Game Freak makes a Pokemon game, not only does Game Freak have to give a cut to the Pokemon company, they have to give a cut to Nintendo. So every time Game Freak makes a Pokemon game, even if it sells really well, they still have to end up giving, like, a majority of that money away to just the people that publish the game. And I guess that's why they kind of made a strive towards Little Town Hero. So when they actually put out games, they can keep some of the money. Um... But I really do think that the Pokemon company kind of has a grip on Game Freak. Like, you or I, or I would not be able to really comprehend. Um, in those interviews, like with Masuda, you'd always have them kind of, like, looking off. And um, kind of, like, having, like, is this okay to say? Like, am I allowed to say this? Or, you know... Um, and there was other interviews where, you know, people would be like, yeah, the, the, the Pokemon company guys would be, like, staring at Masuda during interviews, you know, making sure, like, he doesn't go off track and stuff. So, that might all just be hypothetical, but I wanted to make I a mean, point of that. If that is true, I feel really bad, because, I mean, that just, that fucking sucks to make a game, but not really be able to talk about it in the way that you want to talk about it, but at the same exact time, it's not necessarily yours. So. Yeah, right? Like, hmm. it's the Pokemon company telling you what to do, and you're making a Pokemon game. You're not really in any position to say no, right? Yeah. So no matter how good or how much shit they wanted to implement in this game, they probably had someone breathing down their neck saying, nah, man. We're cutting all of this. You have no yeah. idea. So uh, part of me wants to feel kind of bad for the people at Game Freak. I feel like a lot of the the hate that was thrown their way was possibly misdirected. Lastly, oh my we're god, talk about uh, my blood pressure's not ready for this. Oh. <laughs> I want everybody to just like grab something right now. Please don't fall over. No, I'm not gonna freak out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep myself cool. It's, it's fine. Yeah, you say that, but I know you. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, probably, I want to say, the weirdest, uh, most unexplainable, most 
what the fuck actually is this fucking shit? Yet, most probably most talked about, because, oh my god, people are still fucking talking about it. Uh, Game of the year for myself and Brennan. Mike called it the most ambitious, which I think is pretty telling and a really good title for it, Mm. is Death Stranding. Are you still, like, on your feet or sitting like you didn't fucking fall over? I know, it's great. Um, <laughs> oh, this game makes me feel some type of way. Can I start with a little anecdote? Cause I, I finished the game a couple nights ago and oh my God, <laughs> but I'm going to start with a little anecdote, right? So as soon as I, and again, I feel kind of weird saying this, but as soon as I finished playing the game, as soon as I got to the, the credits, um, I had this thought of like, I didn't really beat this game, right? Like, I, I, in quotes, didn't beat this game. Like, I relied so much on the structures and the shit that other people made and in certain sections. Saved my character, saved my cargo. There's so many variables to this where I couldn't say I definitively beat this game and where I kind of looked back and went, I could not have done this without the hundreds or thousands of people that I must have come in contact with. Um, And I can't say that I've had that feeling for any other game. I can't say I've ever beat a game and then questioned, did I really beat it myself or did I kind of rely on everyone else to do it with me? I've never had that before. And another mini anecdote the song that plays at the end the, the, the last mission it's really emotional oh my god but i was listen, i, I was kind of like i downloaded it i guess the other night after like on spotify i found it on spotify and just you know went through the whole soundtrack and i was on i was at work today and i hit shuffle on my music and it, it popped up and about halfway through the song when it really kicks in right um, I just, I was working, I was working, I was just doing work, and I just had this single tear just go down my cheek, and, like, I wasn't even, like, aware of it or conscious, like, I just kind of, like, looked at my cheek, and I was like, wow, what the fuck, and I was like, th- I am subconsciously moved by this game or something, like, what the hell, man, this, I've never, I've never felt so giddy about something, and maybe I'm overhyping it, right, maybe I'm just fucking feeding into it, who knows, but I've just, I've never really played anything like this. And I very mean that, and I mean that very genuinely. Like, I'm not trying to blow smoke or, or, or overhype this game. Maybe I am, but it made me feel shit. And not much makes me feel as much as I felt the other night finishing that game. And the morning preceding it, right? Like, <sighs> I'm being super vague, but I I just think it's a fantastic game. I don't really want to ruin the experience for anyone other than just, like, uh, you just, if, if you're patient with it, if you give it time and you're patient and you adhere to the rules of the game, you will enjoy it. You will have some enjoyment out of it, at least hopefully. That's at least what I tried to do, and I had a pretty good time, so... I, I think feel it's... like it's it's a game that really touched your patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, a lot of people called it, like, a delivery simulator, but um, I feel like it, it 
at least with the story, it runs a lot deeper than that. Um, and you have to really get creative in how you go about doing things. Um, being that you have to care for yourself, you have to buy yourself Norman Reedus, you have to care for uh, BB, you have to care for the packages. Um, and you know, it matters how you get your packages there, the quality that they're in, um, and some of the missions being timed, um, and, and things like that, and it's, like, I watched a, the cutscene movie for the game, because I was like, oh shit, I really need to buy this, except, it's a very long game from what I've heard, it's, oh yeah, mm -hmm. I had like 50 hours, like, yeah, six, like, up to 60 hours in it, I don't necessarily have time to play a game that long right now, so I just watched the cutscene. The cutscene movie was 12 hours long. Yeah, I do not doubt that. The last the last um, cutscene, like, I don't know if this is spoiler or not, but the last cutscene of the game is maybe roughly like an hour long. Like, I'd finished the game at like 11.30, and I didn't go to bed. I had work the next day. I had to get up at 6. I didn't go to bed until like 1 or 2. Just I, because it was a cutscene, right? And you couldn't just like leave in the middle of an exposition dump of a two-hour cutscene starring Mads Mikkelsen and Tommy Earl Jones. Which, by the way, holy shit, Kojima should sell that last hour as a movie, and Mads Mikkelsen should win an Oscar. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, don't bookend your game, your fifty-hour game, with a two-hour movie. You psycho at the same time i wouldn't have done it for anyone other than kojima <laughs> like shit because that's what it, the man's all about you know it's it's a very ambitious um game and it i like how it's single player but also has that um that interaction that strand um, you're still connected to other players and you still rely on them for different things. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, even though you guys aren't necessarily in the same game, you can still interact with other people's things and what they've done um, to help you kind of almost in like a alternate dimension sort of way. Like they've been there and did that already and now it's like your turn. So, yes. it's yes. It's really fucking cool. I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff mechanically that could have been better, but yes. when it comes down to the story and the cutscenes, the game's beautiful. Uh all the fucking acting is uh like on fucking top. Uh the cutscenes are fucking baller. It's uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't played the game yet uh please just stop here and go home when he has to fight the big body with uh what's her face in it and the bad guy with the gold you mm. know what i'm talking Higgs. about yeah Higgs. yeah and it's like when he he like kidnaps her mm. and he takes her and then he makes her into the uh uh, that big, like, oil slick body type yeah, thing. The, I forget what they call like her, the, but... The, the big BT guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That fucking... 
fucking boss fight was fucking wow. Just wow. I there's there's one after that, like the last last boss fight where in game it was kind of like meh. Like I felt like all the boss fights to actually play were kind of meh. But the design and like just how it looked was just phenomenal. Especially, yeah, like you said, the the big BT guy. Especially when uh, Higgs, like, summons him earlier in the game. And it's kind of like, you know you're going to have to go against that later. When you finally do, it's so insane. And the one after that is even more just, what the hell? What were these people thinking? And I loved it. I loved it all. It's, it's a very thought-provoking game. And I feel like if you um, want to really understand the story you're probably gonna have to watch um somebody like explain it but i feel like it's really really interesting and i feel like it's a really good start for kojima and his studio um and i i feel like i feel like they've probably learned um they know what they need to improve on next um i feel like this game is standalone i don't think it's going to get a sequel nor do i want it to get a sequel because it just wouldn't make sense um with the way that the story goes but yeah it's it's, it's that fucking game is just baller i don't even know what the fuck to say anymore because i'm just like mind fucking blown poof i think my favorite thing about the whole game just in general is how well it displays its themes, right? Like, so, like, you know, the game constantly refers to knots, strands, connections, sticks, ropes, etc. So it, it doesn't exactly wear its themes, you know, it, it, it does. It wears its themes on its sleeve. But, like, that's not the point. The point is, is that those connections that you make with other players, that kind of, that thing that I was talking about before, where how I kind of relied on other people, it, that's the theme of the game, man. It doesn't just tell you it. It, sh it, it plays it. It plays its theme. And it's crazy how well it does that. Especially, also, the idea of, like, taking it one day at a time. Tomorrow's in your hands. That's constantly, like, what the promotional material is about. That theme of, like, uh, watching where you walk you know taking it one step at a time one day at a time you know just like going through the motions and shit it doesn't just tell you its themes it makes you live them in a very surreal way that once you realize what's happened you're like holy shit i was part of a i was a pawn in his game the whole time again maybe i'm overhyping it but i still think that its theme thematically it's very connected to its gameplay and its narrative. And that just makes it that much better of an experience, in my opinion. Hey, Mike, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. I know we've been circle-jerking circle about... Uh, yeah, sorry, Mike. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about it? I mean, from what I've seen, it's like... I have no other way to put it. It's very Kojima-ish. Like... Everything he does is ambitious. Everything he does is wild, blows your mind away kind of thing. Um, I am going to get it when it comes out on PC. But 
I understand why a lot of people are hyping this game up so much, you know? Because it's that storytelling, it's that connection that the game does that I say very few other games can do. Like you said, it's a two-hour cutscene at the end, and you sat through it, man. Yeah, I mean, right? That says something. You I know, think so. For a lot of other games, you would have been like, well, fuck this, man. I ain't going to stay here for two hours. Yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll just I'll just watch it when I come back from work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but so. no, nah, man. Some of these burning questions I needed answers to. Um, I do feel like it's not a game for everyone. I feel like um, it's nowhere near what people probably assumed it was going to be. Which, I mean... If you had high expectations for this game, I feel like they were probably met. Now, when it comes to gameplay, eh, it's okay. But, I mean, this fucking game's a fucking... It's a masterpiece, everything else-wise. There's nothing else out there that's like it, and I feel like if he would have made it any other way and still stuck with this whole um, strand theme... I don't think it would have worked. I completely agree with that. I very much think that that theme is something really only a video game can do. You can't really express that through film or, or, or books and stuff. You know, That's something only a video game can really do. And Kojima is someone that really pushes video games to its limits. You know, It really takes the medium and takes every advantage of it. And he's just fantastic at that. And I think he pushes that again with Death Stranding. Cool. I, wow. I also want to deliver a pizza. Or you can deliver a pizza in this game. Yes, yes, absolutely you can. <laughs> you have to keep it flat, too. It's hilarious. I, I kept it upright for a bit, and it was, like, taking container damage for a bit. I was like, what the hell? And then I realized that I wasn't keeping the pizza flat, so, like, all the cheese and shit was falling. So I I just, I just put it flat. small fucking details. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Put on my baseball hat. Took a uh, motorcycle. Zoomed over. It's fantastic. Okay, and and this is where we end with the SpongeBob Krusty Krab pizza meme. I was about to start singing that. Right. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. To, you know, talk about games that are coming up next year. I think this is a pretty good... I feel like 2019 was pretty okay. I don't think it was, like, the best year in gaming, but I feel like it was a pretty pretty decent year. It ended pretty well, and I feel like next year's just gonna be baller. We got the PS5 coming out next holiday season. Uh, Last of Us 2. Uh, hopefully, God bless, a fucking another God of War, but don't dare rush that game. Um, Animal Crossing in, like, what, March, I think? March, yeah, March Animal yeah. Crossing. Cyberpunk. So, yeah, like, we got a killer year next year, so. Um, I hope everyone, you know, had a fun year this year, and I hope next year is, you know, just as banging. So, uh, Brennan rolled the outro applause credits, and we're gonna cut it here from... Haley here at Game Luster, uh, Brennan and Mike. This is the end of the 2019 Buy It, Try It, Deny It award show. So, 
have finished your year great this year, and I hope you guys start uh, next year uh, off to a good start. Have a great evening. Later. Bye, guys.